Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I went down to Texas, gosh, I guess it's been about two years ago now, and uh, my dad had asked me, he said, hey, do you need another horse? Now, usually when people ask if you need a horse, you always say no, okay? You, you just, just say no, okay? Say it with me. Just say no. <laughs> Especially when they say, do you need another horse? I, I'd, like, I'd like to give you a horse. You know, most of the time it doesn't work out. And so even when my, my dearly beloved father says, do you need a horse? I'm like, what kind of horse? And he said, well, it's, your, it's, it's a heading horse that I, had, that I had bought for your little sister. And I said, well, is he any good? And he said, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good head horse. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't team rope. I work cattle out in the pasture. It should be fine. And I said, well, is he, you know, has he got some size to him? Because, you know, I have Fiona, but you can't rope anything real big on her. She had her back hurt whenever she was uh, a little over a two-year-old, roped a big old cow on her that, kind of hurt her back, and you just, you just can't latch onto something real big with her, so I needed something else I could use. He said, yeah, you can tie him to a freight train with him. I was like, great, I'll come get him. So I drove down to Texas, and well, I was going anyway. I took the trailer, loaded him up, brought him back, and, you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some time to, to, to get him and, and, and get everything done on him and try him out, and I, I, I guarantee you I hadn't been home like 30 minutes, and Robert called, and he's like, hey, what are you doing in the morning? I was like, well, I, I don't know what you guys like. Uh, we 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 need to go do some stuff. So I was like, okay. So the very first time I ever straddled this horse was it was at Roberts, and and I told him that morning. I said, I don't know what this horse is going to do, so we'll we'll see. And so I got on him, and you know, he just kind of did fine a little bit. But there there's a difference in getting on near the truck and trailers, and then whenever you start long trotting across the pasture, or something's going to. Uh, blow up if it doesn't happen at the trailer it's going to happen later on and so anyway we went through the gate and we started heading uh, north of his house and and he struck a long trot and I struck a long trot well you know team roping horses are notorious for uh, for having tie downs on and and this horse I don't think had ever been ridden without a tie down and so we loped across the pasture with his head in the air for like four hours he had no idea what to do. It wasn't that he was doing anything bad, but it's really hard to rope while you're eyeballing your horse with his nose up in the air. And so, you know, I was just, I, I tried to be gentle with him and, you know, I didn't pull on him real hard or anything. And, and, and after a while, he realized that doing that job that I was asking him to do with his nose pointed in the air made things more difficult for him. And so he kind of started bringing his head down like, oh, well, well I, I, didn't, I didn't know I could move around like this without a tie down on. And if you don't know what a tie down is, is it's kind of a strap that goes around their nose and it's attached to the cinch in the, uh, in the center and it just keeps their head from coming up. At least that's how most people use them. Really, it's for rating speed, but I, I don't think most people know that. They just think, get the head down, so we'll just tie it down. And so anyway... Uh, I, I rode him for about a year, and, and it took about that long to, to kind of get him accustomed to, to being able to do that work, and, and, and he got really good at carrying his head just right and everything, and then um, the next year we, <clears throat> excuse me, 
we started tagging calves, and I mean, he's real fast and everything, but he wouldn't track real good. So I, I kind of got him where he'd track a, a cow and all of that. Well, then we started tagging calves, and, and the very first year that, that I was tagging calves on him, We'd go out there, and one time I built to him, and he was staying right behind that cow. But I didn't want to rope the cow. I wanted to rope the calf. But, you know, they're right there, and I'd try to scoot over and rope the calf, and the cow would scoot over, and then I'd move to this side. And, I mean, it was just like this, you know, fighter pilot game, you know, just back and forth, back and forth. And finally, that old cow, she gave the signal to her calf. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a pheromone-type thing or a wink or something like that. But the, the, the cow went left and the calf went right. And I was zeroed in on the calf and Budhead was zeroed in on the cow. He followed the cow and I followed the calf. Did you know that it is possible to ride your horse at a 90 degree angle? Holding nothing but the reins. It, it looked like a cowpokes cartoon by Ace Reed. I mean, I was literally all the way over on the side and I was still swinging my rope. And luckily, he was stout enough that he was like, oh, I guess we're supposed to go this way. And, and so he kind of, you know, turned around and we went and got it roped. But, but he did that several times of, of wanting to track the cow. And, and when they would split off, he would figure out that it's a lot easier to do it right the first time. Because he's going to chase and chase and chase. And if he starts chasing the wrong thing, then he's got to stop chasing the wrong thing and go back and chase something even faster the right way. So he started whenever they would split then, he'd be like, okay, let me know which one. And I mean, I can just give him just a little bit of leg pressure, man. And he would dive off after the cow or the calf, whichever one that we were trying to do. You know, whenever I first got him, whenever we were riding out in the pasture, I I would literally come home and he would just be sopping wet. Just, and we really didn't do that much that day. But after a couple of years of riding him, he's figured out that, that doing it the right way, doing stuff effectively and efficiently is a lot less work. Um, he, he, had a, he had a bad problem um, when I first got him whenever I was holding uh, the heels. Whenever you got something rope in the pasture, you want those heels off the ground. Because if, if their heels are off the ground, it's a lot harder for them to kick out or try to get up or something like that. Well, he would waver between trying to drag a, you know, 750, 800-pound yearling backwards, you know, through the brush. That's hard. Or he would get tired of pulling, and he'd step forward, and they'd scissor kick, and then we'd just have to start all over again and and do all that. So he realized that, that it was a lot more effective and a lot more efficient just to relax, do it right the first time, and get it over with. Now, a lot of times whenever I take him home, even if we've been doing a lot of work that day, he might have just a little bit of sweat underneath his saddle pad. That's about it. You know, there, there's a term, and, and I don't really like the term. It's used a lot, but people talk about a finished cow horse, a finished cow horse. It's a term reserved for horses that have reached the sage where they do their jobs effectively and efficiently. Now, Butthead's not a finished cow horse. I don't know that there is a such thing as a finished cow horse. But it is that point where you, where you do hard jobs, but you do it to the point where you're effective and efficient. What would a finished Christian look like? First of all, just like a finished cow horse, I don't think there's a such thing as a finished Christian. Okay, But there was a finished man one time, and he basically told us it was finished, and it was Jesus when he hung on the cross. After living a perfect life and doing everything 
to, to fulfill the requirements of the law. He hung on the cross to be that sacrifice for our sins. And at the very end of it, one of his last words were, it is finished. I've done what I came to do. In Philippians 1.6, and I said, I know I told you to turn to Matthew. And that's where we're going to be. But I need to start in Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns just because we will never be finished doesn't, need, doesn't mean that we don't need to be working towards that, okay? To be striving towards that. We'll never be finished, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to learn to be effective and efficient to, to get on that journey of finishing ourselves to become Christ-like. <clears throat> you know, I know you've been working hard and doing lots of stuff. I see it in you. I, I, you know, I look out through here, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I, but I know nearly every single one of you, and I have seen the struggles that you've gone through, and I've seen some some mistakes you made, and I'm not and I'm not pointing my finger at you or or anything like that. You've seen the mistakes that I've made. I've seen the mistakes that you've made, but I've also seen some growth. I've I've, I've seen you come a long ways in a short amount of time, but that doesn't mean just because we've made some, some big strides that we're finished yet. But Philippians says that, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. Does that how you feel, though? Do you, do you, which, which butthead do you feel like? Okay. Which butthead do you feel like? Do you feel like you're running through the pasture with your nose up in the air and you don't even know what's going on and there's gopher holes everywhere and you get home and you're just uh, 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 sweating and just tired? Or are you that one that says, man, I kind of know what needs to be done now and I, I, I'm going to make it as easy as possible on myself and I'm going to do things the right way so I ain't got to do it twice. That's what we're going to talk about today is how to get on that road to being finished, not that we will ever get there, but that we will get on that road towards being finished. And in Matthew chapter 11, at the very end, I think Jesus has a message for all you buttheads, okay? Especially the one with a mic in his hand. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. See, that, that's what a finished, a, a, a Christian that is on their way to being finished, that's what they receive right there, is rest. By doing things the right way instead of doing the wrong way a hundred times and then finally getting it right. Because I know that that probably characterizes your life just as much as it has been mine. We get out there and we probably know what we should do, but we try it another way and we end up just going in circles and going in circles and going in circles. And, and really, I, this verse was bothering me because a lot of my Christian life, that was not characteristic of what I felt. I felt like I was working really hard. And the last thing that I really uh, felt like was at rest. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give, your, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, man, you work for me now, okay? You're not your little sister's head horse anymore. 
that you just get to go out there and run for thirty, se- you know, for, for eight seconds and then you're done. Well, we're going to work all day, but we're going to get some stuff done. And, and you can make it as easy or as hard on yourselves as you want to. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. You know what I love about that right there? Let me teach you. That means you don't have to figure it out. How much of our Christian lives are, are, do we think that somehow God is like speaking to us in that still small voice? And we're like, was that God's small voice or was that my stomach rumbling? You know, I mean, you don't have to figure it out. You, you don't have to like reach level 19 of Christian spirituality before you start figuring everything out. It's in black and white. But the reason that more people don't pay attention to the black and white because it seems too easy. They, 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 they want it somehow grander. They want to be the hero. They, 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 want, they want to be God. Let me teach you because I am. And then he gives us two things. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Simple as that. For I am humble and gentle. Now, how many of us, don't raise your hands, how many of us would say that humility and gentleness are the major characteristics in our life? I don't think there's probably very many of us. Not unless we're at a third one called self-delusional, okay? But Jesus says, let me teach you, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, man, I'm going to show you how to do it the right way, the first way, and you're gonna, it'll be easier on you. That's not humility and gentleness. <laughs> We're joking. I'm joking. What does it mean to be humble at heart? There's three ways that humility is going to make your life a lot easier, okay? There's three ways. That being humble, if you will just make up your mind today, say, look, man, Kevin was preaching right out of the Bible. Jesus himself said it in black and white. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you're not really interested in, you know, finding rest for your soul, eh, feel free to tune me out. But for you that, that might want a more efficient and effective way, of leading your Christian lives. Give me about 20 minutes. Three ways humility will make your life easier. Three ways humility will get you on the track to being finished. Number one, you don't have to worry about what everyone thinks. That's humility. You don't have to worry about what everyone thinks. All right? Why? Because humility is actually obedience to God, not man. Okay? Humility is, is saying, I'm going to obey Christ. Humility doesn't mean I'm going to worry about what everybody else thinks. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. A servant obeys his master. God himself said, no man can serve two masters. Humility is submission, and submission is obedience. Humility will make your life easier because it's an obedience to God. I don't care what this guy over here says. I don't care what that, what that nasty co-worker says or that troublemaking Christian says. I don't care what anybody says because I care about what God says. Because I'm going to put myself in humble obedience to Him and to Him alone. How much stress would your life lose if you quit 
caring so much about what everybody else said and did. I mean, that's probably like 85% of our stress is us trying to control others, but you can't control somebody if you're humble. You're like, but you do your thing. You can still love on them, but that stuff's not going to burrow inside of you and become a a worm that, that eats your insides out. You don't have to worry about what everyone else thinks because humility is obedience to God and God alone. The second way that humility will make your life easier, that will get your life effective and efficient, and on that road to being finished, is humility draws on the strength of God instead of our own. Humility opens a door for God's strength to flow through you. Because, see, one of the reasons that you're tired as a Christian, man, I see it all the time. I see it all the time is that people start coming to Save the Cowboy or to some other organization, or maybe they just dive into their Bible. I don't know what the case is, but what happens is they get on fire, right? I mean, they are literally, man, they're, they're, they're like the, 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 fire, the firewood that has the lighter fluid sprayed all over it. Man, you just light a match and you throw it in there and it whoosh. You know, that's, that's that new Christian. But what happens really quickly? burns down. The reason is, is because they get on fire, but then they just start working out of their own strength. God never intended you to work out of your own strength. In Ephesians 6, 10, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Man, obey God. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. I'm not saying that you can't care about them, but don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about what they do. Draw your humility as being able to draw strength from God instead of relying on our own. And when we know it's not our own power doing it, then then we don't try to take credit for everything that God does. And the third way that humility will make your life easier is that humility is the key to progress. You feel stuck. Man, you know, maybe you're just that, you know, that low campfire, but... uh, You know, you just ain't seen much progress in a long time. You know, you're not necessarily backsliding, but but you're not really moving forward either. You kind of plateaued. Man, you were on fire for a while, and then you just kind of hit that steady trot, and and now you just kind of walk in and, you know, stopping and looking around. You, You don't read your Bibles like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. You know, you you. And I'm not saying that that, uh, uh, coming to church makes you a Christian, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, all right? I've been in the pasture my whole life, and I'm not a cow. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, we do need those three things for growth, but humility is the key to that growth. And in James chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus' own brother says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Because isn't that what we're all looking for, is to be lifted up? I mean, if somebody says, man, you know, on that that day that I meet Jesus, I really don't want him to pat me on the back or anything like that. Man, you crazy. You are crazy. You don't want to to wear that buckle that's waiting on you in in heaven for a job well done? Man, you're crazy. But if you're going to reach that buckle, if you're going to finish the race like Paul talked about, James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So how do we, how do, we do that? Real quick, he lists four things. That's, that's in James 4.10. 
But starting in verse 7, and I'm just going to read them off. We're not going to expound on them or anything like that. But I'm going to give you four keys to humbling yourself before the Lord. Number one, you got to resist the devil. Man, there's a lot of temptations out there, man. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of squirrels, okay? Lots of squirrels, and they're all devils, okay? Trying to lead you astray, lead you off that path. But you've got to resist that. You've got to resist that. You know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've got this cow dog that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of learning with her, but, but she was a barker, right? She, she, would get, she would get distracted by the rabbits. She liked to eat rabbits. And she would bark and bark and bark and bark and bark and bark. So I got, a, I got one of them new collars <laughs> that they deliver a humane uh, alternative way of thinking. And the one I got has a built-in bark thing. <laughs> I haven't heard her in two days. And she's a lot calmer. She's like, eh, no problem. And them rabbits ain't nothing. Let me go do my job. Resist the devil. The second one. We talked about this in the very beginning of this God's horsemanship program. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You know, I, I, I have, I'm just going to use this as an illustration, but I have people that come to save the cowboy and I don't think there's a, a single one here, but... I've, I've got an email one time saying, I've been to your, your, your church four times and you ain't never come and said hello to me. And ain't nobody come and said hello to me. So I typed him back and I was like, well, where were you sitting? I was sitting all by myself in the back. Uh, well, if you distance yourself and sit there like this, like you don't want anybody to come talk to you, guess what? Nobody's going to come talk to you. Same way with God, man. If you want, if you want to know God, man, you've got to go to him. You've got to build to him. You can't just sit there and go... <laughs> Well, if God really wants me, he'll come get me while I'm over here in the septic tank. <laughs> you know, he'd be like, I give you a hand, but I ain't climbing down there with you. Resist the devil. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Purify your heart from sin. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That's what James said. I didn't say it. Purify yourself from sin. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. you got to make a decision, man. Straddling the fence castrates believers. Just saying. You, you, you won't be effective. You won't be efficient. You won't be able to, to reach other people. You won't be able to be the person that you know you want to be by straddling the fence. you got to make a decision. And the fourth thing, man, don't be proud of your former life of sin. Don't. You, you know, it breaks my heart when, when people excuse their sin. Your, your sin should, should break your heart. It should lead to repentance. Don't be, prou don't be proud of the way the world operates. And I see it happening all the time. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Purify your heart for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And don't be proud of your former life of sin. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. But humility wasn't the only thing that Jesus said when he said, let me teach you. He said, for I am humble and gentle at heart. You know, what does it mean to be gentle at heart? See, I, I think that... that a lot of people have the idea that humility and gentleness equate being a sissy, being a pushover, being taken advantage of, being weak. And it's the exact opposite in God's eyes. See, the stronger you are, the more gentle you will become. The stronger you are, the more gentle you become. The, gen the more gentle you are, the stronger you will become. It, it, it works both ways. There is strength in being gentle. The stronger the hand, the gentler the touch. 
I mean, you know, when I, when I was studying this, the, the thing that, I, that just came to mind every single time, and, and I know that every single one of y'all know somebody like this, that big burly dude that looks real scary, that maybe rides a motorcycle or something, and the little babies just love them to death. That, that's, that's the sign of a gentle soul. Just because they look big and mean and scary and they are strong doesn't mean that they can't be so, so gentle. Strength is not the proof of might, but the knowing of it. Strength is not the proof of might, but the knowing of it. Who was the strongest man that ever lived? It wasn't Samson, it was Jesus. And when I say that strength is not the proof of might, but the knowing of it. If you're one of these guys that loves, you know, action movies and, and all of that stuff, blah, blah, blah. This is the greatest Bible verse there is. I love this. It's found in Matthew 26, 53. Jesus' words himself. <laughs> I love, I, I seriously love this. Well, I, we, we could stop right here and just talk about this the rest of the year. Do you think that I cannot call upon my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? You know, in the Old Testament, one angel killed 100,000 people in less than one night. One angel killed 100,000 warriors. Not, not, we're not talking about men, women, and children. We're talking about mighty warriors that were going to attack Israel. God sent one angel. He didn't send Michael the archangel that will, you know, throw, that will bind up Satan. He didn't send Gabriel. He just sent an angel. Man, that is strength right there. But it's also gentleness. Do not think that I cannot call upon my father and he at once will not put at my disposal 12 legions of angels. That can wipe you out. <laughs> but I'm not going to. The stronger you are, the gentler you will be. That, it's that type of strength that allowed Jesus to look down from the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's that strength that leads to love. It's that strength that leads to, to forgiveness, whether that be somebody else or yourself. The stronger you are, the gentler you will be. Gentleness doesn't allow yourself to get wrapped up in negative emotions. In other words, the gentler you are, you won't freak out, okay? And I know that every one of you is capable of a real good freak out, okay? I've seen some of your freak outs, <laughs> A few of you have seen some of mine. I'm not immune to it myself, but the gentler you become, the stronger you'll be, and the stronger you'll be, you won't allow yourself to get wrapped up in those negative emotions. You know, uh, just the other day, me and me and Ty and, and uh, Jace went out to help a guy. Ty talked about it last week. But uh, the first cow we went to rope, man, she, she's, she got on the fight, and she was uh, she hooked butthead and everything, and it... She tried to hook Jace's horse, and we, we just kind of moved out of the way. And then whenever she went out, you know, we didn't get mad at her. Man, we put a rope on her. Jace caught two hind feet, and we laid her down like she was a newborn calf. Even though she tried to wipe us out, I mean, she was mad. She was angry. She was also hurt. See, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people say hurtful things, and the gentler you become, the stronger you'll be, and the stronger you are, you'll be able to see past that hurt instead of just reacting to it and throwing a fit and throwing a big old freak out. You'll be able to see past it. In James 3, 17, the Bible says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. 
In other words, I just got out of that cow's way. You all know a few cows you need to just get out of the way sometimes. Do not look at your husband or wife. Not really. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. That's what being strong is about, being gentle. Learn from me, for I am humble and gentle at heart. See, most of us, man, we, we're running around with our heads stuck straight up in the air, man, just making life hard. But the one that's got us in the ultimate finishing program is like, man, let me show you. Let me show you a better way, for I am humble and gentle at heart. And the last thing about gentleness, and then we're done. The stronger you are, the gentler you will be. Gentleness will allow you to avoid the freak out. And gentleness does not waste strength. Gentleness does not waste strength. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Gentleness never wastes strength. Gentleness allows us to pay attention to what is important, to be able to discern what is important. That's what being watchful means. Gentleness allows us to keep the rope tight, stand firm in the faith. You know, when, we, when I rope those two hind feet, I'm not asking Budhead to drag that cow back to the house backwards. I just want him to keep the rope off the ground. Just stand firm in the faith. Not wander around, let it get on the ground. That just makes things hard on you. Just stand firm in the faith. Keep that, keep that rope tight with God. Gentleness is the mark of a real man. Act like men. And I'm not, I'm not, you ladies, man, most of y'all are mature enough to know that when the Bible says act like men, he's not saying, he's not playing favorites, okay? He's saying be real, be strong. Gentleness allows, gentleness is what allows strength to grow, be strong. Then Jesus said to me, come to me, or then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle and heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He ain't going to whip on you, he ain't going to jerk on your mouth, but he's going to be humble and gentle, and he wants you to be the same thing. Y'all need to quit running around, freaking out over everything, not doing what you're supposed to do. You just keep going in circles, doing the same things over and over and over and over and over. Man, learn to have humility and gentleness in your life. And then on that day, you'll find peace for your souls here. But on that day, when you get to heaven, Jesus will say, get on in here. Good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for providing all that we need for everything that we're searching for. This purpose that we are searching for is not a wild goose chase. It is not an X on a treasure map with vague hints of finding peace and happiness. You've laid it out in black and white. Help us to become humble and gentle at heart and follow that narrow trail to where your son, who threw the gates of heaven wide open to all that believe in him, is standing there waiting. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.